I wanted to let you know that on Sunday, January 10th, I'm going to be starting a new course called Concepts in Kabbalah. It's going to be on Zoom. It's going to be a live course, a six-part series where I'm going to go through the basic concepts in Kabbalah. So an introduction to Kabbalah, a God and the Ladder Up, Tzimtzum, the Sefirot, the Four World. It's going to be highly interactive and an opportunity for you to really delve into uh, the mystical elements of Kabbalah and really get an idea of the concepts and the words that are used in Kabbalistic literature. Uh, there's a small cost for it, and I really hope that you can attend and join me on this uh, incredible journey. It's going to be starting again Sunday night, January 10th, and it's going to go for six Sundays. You can uh, go on jewishndg.com to apply for it, or you can just look at the Eventbrite link in the show notes to this episode. I want to invite you to a really special course that I'm going to be giving with uh, Fred Pinto. It's called Finding Meaning, a Transformational Experience. We're going to be talking about Kabbalah and logotherapy. So if you ever thought about maybe living your life with more meaning, uh, if you want to know more about logotherapy, and what we're going to be doing is building on Viktor Frankl's ideas and logotherapy techniques, the Kabbalistic teachings, and drawing on research in various fields. It's going to be a five-part advanced workshop that's going to help you build a personalized meaning map so you can better orient and expand your lives through the gift of meaning. It's going to be starting Monday, January 18th. You can register it at, uh, you can register for it uh, at theloverabbi.com or on jewishndg.com or you can just look at the Eventbrite link in the show notes here. Hope to see you there. And now on with today's class. So today's class, we're going to focus primarily on the mind. We're going to take a look at the three sefirot, the three attributes that comprise the intellect. So there are 10 sefirot, three of them are intellectual, seven of them are emotional, and today we're going to look at the three intellectual sefirot. They are called Chachma, Bina, and Da'at. And I'm going to talk about what is unique about each of them, what you need to know about each of them, and I'm going to try to do a bit of a deep dive into each of these three sefirot. <clears throat> so... Let's talk about Chachma. Chachma is called the lightning flash. That's how Kabbalah refers to it. It's the lightning flash. It refers to the first flash of insight that enters the mind, the, the initial moments of a new idea. It's kind of like you know in the cartoons when a light bulb suddenly appears on above the character's head? But boom, that moment where the light bulb appears, like boom, I have an idea, that is Chachma. But at this stage, it's so important to understand that Chachma only lasts a moment because the Chachma is just that, that moment from zero to one where you just have that flash of insight, but the idea 
is still so completely abstract that we wouldn't be able to explain it. Actually, forget about even trying to explain it to someone else. We couldn't even explain it to ourselves. But it's definitely there. There's no question that there's a flash of insight. It's there. But it's a momentary flash of insight to the point where we have it. And sometimes, you know, like you have an idea, but you lose it. So sometimes it doesn't leave the chachma. It's just like, I have it. I can't articulate it. I can't explain it. But I, I have it. It's there. It's there. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to grasp hold of that idea. And I'm going to go into the next step of the process. The chachma process could only be sometimes just a moment. And I'm going to go into what is called Bina. This is the next step. In the Bina stage, what we do is we take the Chachma, we take that initial lightning flash, that initial flash of insight, and we broaden it, and we develop it, and we expand it, and we explain it, and we look at all of its details. So Chachma and Bina have this type of working relationship. Often in Kabbalah, they're compared to an analogy to a father and a mother. So in the way Kabbalah describes it is in the creation of the child, the, the father contributes the drop of semen that contains the entire child in abstract, potential, free of form or dimension. The entire potential of the child is in that one drop. The mother then absorbs the drop and develops it for nine months, drawing out its form, its detail, all of the elements of the child, the head, the feet, the fingers, every single element until the child is fully developed and the child can go through the birth canal. So this is, this is how Kabbalah describes Chachma and Bina. Chachma is the father's contribution, where Bina is the mother's contribution to the development of the child. Now, what we're going to do is I want to just kind of take you on a bit of a journey and, and keep on clarifying it until we really have this idea concrete in our minds. When a person has a flash of inspiration and let's say conceives a new idea or a new product, the first attempt to capture their innovation could generally fit on a single page. It could just be one line on a page. It could just be one word on a page. And then what happens is the individual will start to develop the idea, will turn it into the actual product. Then they're gonna take, they're gonna make lengthier plans. They're gonna create proposals. They're gonna develop every detail of the original idea. But the original idea is still there. They're not developing a new idea. They are just expanding on their original idea. 
So the original idea is like Chachma, and the developmental process is Bina. Are we good so far? I just want to make sure that this is clear because it's very hard to understand the nature of a sefirot without understanding each of them uniquely and how they kind of interweave. The third one, so if you take a look at, you know, we put Chachma on the right side, we put Bina on the left side, and we're going to put Da'at in the middle between the two. So there's the, the Da'at, the third element, is not Chachma, then Bina, then Da'at, but Da'at is actually the fusion of Chachma and Bina. It's kind of like where there's a convergence where Chachma and Bina come together. If you had a triangle and you put, um, again, Chachma on the right side and you put Bina on the left side, you would put Da'at at the bottom of the triangle if the triangle was an upside-down triangle. So, what is Da'at? And I think, if I can be so bold to say this, that Da'at is where a lot of other philosophies and forms of psychology get it wrong. Where, for example, in our education system, Western education, Education comes from the Greek word edukara, which means the conveying of a message. That the point of education in our culture is the conveying of the message, which is very in line with chachma and bina. But dat is no more the conveying of the message. Dat is no more the, the, the idea and then the analyzing. We've done it. The baby's been born, so to speak. So what do we do now? What is that? So listen, and, and this is where I think it's unique. It's a unique Kabbalistic idea. And I want this part of the, of the structure of the Sefirot and the structure of the soul to really, to allow you to think about your ideas and your the things that you do in your life in a different way. So dot, its job is to bring the lofty developed concepts produced by Chachma and Bina into our emotions. It's like the brainstem, the dot. It takes the Chachma and Bina from the abstract and brings it into the practical. There's so many people who have so many great ideas, but most of those ideas remain abstract. If you have a great idea, that idea needs to go from your mind into your emotions. It's possible to learn something, to transform it from this flash, this lightning flash of insight into this detailed vision but yet it just remains on paper. It's just a really great business plan. It's just there on paper. It remains aloof. It remains cold. It's, it's detached from the conclusion. 
What happens here? How is that possible that you have a beautiful flash of insight and then you analyze it and you work on it? You could be working on it for a year and it never happens. And the reason is, according to Kabbalah, is that the person's understanding fails to inspire change in their emotions, in their attributes, and therefore it leaves their behavior unaffected. Like we know what the right thing is to do, but we don't do it. So dot is the power to internalize and become united with your learning. If you learn something, that is your ability to internalize it and become one with it to the point where you can tell it to someone else and you forgot where you heard it. It happens. One of my greatest joys as a teacher is when someone will tell me a great idea and say, I don't remember where I heard it from, and it's something I told them. That is the Da'at experience, where you internalize the idea to the point where you feel it and you make it true for you. And I think what this does is it moves a person from being a passive bystander to an engaged an involved participant. It removes a person from being passive to being involved, to taking the issue personally and seriously, to making it one with me, to making it part of my being, to making it part of my emotions. The example that the Hasidic masters would give is that uh, an illiterate man enters a post office and picks up uh, a message, a telegram. And he's illiterate, so he can't read it. So he says to the postal clerk, can you please read this message to me? And the postal worker starts reading that, unfortunately, his father had passed away. And the man was shaken to the core, and he burst into tears. But the postal clerk remains unfazed. How can, and this is what the Hasidic masters would ask, is how can the clerk be so cold and unaffected? It's simple. It wasn't his dad. It had nothing to do with him. And even though he fully understood the message, he was unfazed. I mean, he was sad for the guy, but unfazed. And this is the great importance of Da'at. The job of Da'at is to transform comprehension into feelings, to make what we know come alive. That is the job of Da'at, to transform comprehension into feelings, to make what we know come alive. There's a story of Rabbi Schneer Zalman, the Alter Rebbe. 
he returns home after an extended period of learning with his teacher, the Magid of Mezrich. And his, father, his father-in-law turns to him and says, so what did you learn there? What, what new knowledge did you acquire that you didn't know before after all these years of studying with your teacher? And so the Alter Rebbe smiles and he says, uh, I now know there's a creator in the world. There's a creator of the world. His father-in-law is disappointed. His father-in-law turns to the housemaid and he asks her, is there a creator in the world? And she says, of course there is. And she's almost surprised by the question. So Rabbi Schneir Zalman, so he turns to Rabbi Schneir Zalman and he says, you see, the, hen, the, the, the maidservant, the housemaid, she says that the world is a creator. You had to spend so much time and go so far away to learn the same thing that the housemaid knows. So Rabbi Schneir Zalman smiles and he says, she says the world has a creator, but I know it. That is the process of Dot. She says the world has a creator, but I know it. Now here is the great, yes. I, I think you're, you're saying like it's internalized. It becomes. Yes, it became, it became part, part of, of him. And it took oh. him that time with his teacher for it to be internalized and for it to become so much part of him to the point where she may say it, but he knows it. And that's a very big difference in every part of our lives. Dot needs to ask the question, how can we apply Dot in our lives? After we learn something, we learn this. After we study something, what the Kabbalists say is to take a break and to deeply contemplate the details and the points of what you just covered. To think about it. And not just to think about it deeply, uh, uh, simply. Don't just spend a moment, okay, you know, that was a very interesting class. I thought about it. That was really great. But to go into it deeply and keep your mind focused firmly on it. A very different type of meditation. Not a meditation where you clear your mind but rather a meditation where you spend this time. So let's say you spend this hour learning this idea, and then you spend another hour just focusing and reviewing in a meditative state what you just learned. So it's a a, a meditation of focus, a meditation that is focusing your mind, not clearing your mind. The great Kabbalists used to do this during prayer. Before they would start praying, they would, in order to be focused on their prayer, they would use that time where they would study a concept such as what we're studying now. And then they would try to be completely focused on that idea. And what it did was two things. Number one is it gave them this opportunity to be able to be, to be in a dot mode, a dot mode, to be able to focus on their learning and to be able to meditate on it. And then it also put them in a meditative state 
so that they could pray properly. And I think that this is the essence of prayer. <clears throat> this is the essence of prayer, the, the application of dot in a meaningful way. For the Jewish people, our daily, specially designed times for prayers are meant for, for arousing and developing our feelings of love and awe for the creator of the world. The point of prayer is to create an emotional connection with the higher power. That's why we pray. Not just to say the words or to be absent-minded about the words, but to actually be able to create an emotional connection with the higher power. And prayer is when we contemplate and focus on God's greatness and God's wondrous deeds. So for example, the morning prayer... Shacharit begins with chapters of Psalms of Tehillim, chapters that specifically describe God's greatness, God's wonders, God's miracles, and how God interacts with the world. And what's the point of this? The point of it is in order to awaken our feelings of awe, our feelings of reverence for the Creator. The next part of the prayer, I'm just giving you an example here, takes us through the contemplation of the angels and the spiritual worlds. And then we reach the pinnacle of the prayer, the Shema, where we say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elekeinu Hashem Echad, Hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And by saying the Shema, which is primarily a contemplation of how God's oneness fills the universe, this naturally leads to feelings of love. So we went from a state of awe, from a state of reverence, to a state of love. Yet, we're completely emotional. It's an emotional experience. Don't, we, we should not confuse awe with fear. Fear is a negative form of awe. Awe is a positive form of fear. And then once we develop that sense of awe, and then we develop that sense of love, then it leads us to the next words that we say in the Shema. What do we say? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Just think about that a moment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's a deeply emotional experience. Deeply emotional. And then, only then, after we experience the awe, and then we experience the love, after all of these steps of of contemplative preparation, we're truly able to stand before God's presence, the Shekhinah, when we do the silent Amidah, which is the, the height, the pinnacle of the prayer. 
And you see, I'm just I'm using this as an example to explain why da'at is so crucial. It's why the Zohar, the magnum opus of Kabbalah, refers to it as the key to the midot, the key to the emotional attributes. Because without deep, deep contemplation, without the observation, without the knowledge, without the awareness, we're never going to be able to develop true feelings and emotions towards the Creator, towards God. So it's fascinating because dot is supposed to be an intellectual experience. But it's a deeply emotional experience. And that's why it's this convergence between the intellect and the emotions. It's the connector. I see this so often with people that I coach and people that I counsel. I see there's a real disconnect between the heart and the mind. It's a real disconnect. For example, singles um, who are looking for a mate, they often feel an attraction towards someone, but they want in their mind someone completely different. Their list of what they want in an individual is completely different than the kind of person they're attracted to. That is a complete disconnect between heart and mind. That is a missing the da'at experience. The da'at is supposed to take what we know and make it emotional. And it's, it's a, something that takes years and years and years of work of just practicing this over and over, taking what we know. Remember, let's go back to Chachma. We had that lightning bolt. That first lightning bolt of inspiration. Then we went through the Bina process. So again, we're not just letting our emotions run wild. It's emotions specifically connected to the intellectual experience. Whatever we thought, what, that process of thought and analyzing that becomes emotional, and that is what becomes the driving force in our lives. And we keep on, so instead of just having those feelings and trusting our gut, Kabbalah says, don't, 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 if you want to trust your gut, you got to develop that gut. You have to develop, that gut is dot. You got to develop that intuitive experience. You develop it, by turning your abstract intellectual ideas into an emotional experience. And over time, your intuition, over time, your gut will be more developed. What do you think? It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Comments, thoughts? Well, I, I think it's interesting because on the one hand, we are supposed to let our mind take over our emotion. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we're, we're asked to go from 
a, a brilliant spark to, let's say, in, in, in human terms, a definition of a project mm-hmm. and then turn it into something emotional that belongs to us. So we still have to, here we're transiting from something that is supposedly completely intellectual to something that has to become emotional. But, but remember, there's a key component here, which I think is the most, compo- most important component. And that is, is that it has to start off with intellectual. We so often think, oh, I'm trusting my gut, means right. that it's not an, in, 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 not an intellectual thing. It's an emotional thing. I think that we have a really good understanding over the past, um, you know, 30 minutes or so on what is Chachma, what is Bina, and what is Dat. You can, can you picture it? Chachma, the first blitz, that first, that first spark of inspiration, Bina, the piecing it apart, and then Dat is taking the intellectual idea and applying it and turning it into an emotional experience. So starting with the intellect, starting with the idea, then analyzing and having that full vision, that full idea, and then, then transferring it into the emotions. Now, when all of this is in order, the mind the moach, the mind, is ruling over the heart. This is how you create moach shalet al halev. This is how you make the mind dominate, rule over the heart, the lev. And as a result, it produces the actions via the kaved, via the liver. And it forms the acronym Melech, Moach, Lev, Kaved, Melech, which means king. And you, we all through this become a king over our body and our desires. How do we become a king over our body? A ruler over our body and desires through Moach, through the mind, ruling the Lev, and then producing the actions of the kaved via the liver, melech. But when the lev, <clears throat> when the lev comes first, when the heart comes first, and the heart drags the mind and it's in its wake before leading into the actions in the liver, the kaved, what is that? That is the acronym of lemech, which means fool. So we just turned around the heart and the mind. Instead of the mind coming first, the heart comes first and that creates a fool. The melech, moach, lev, kaved, mind, heart, liver, creates a person who is a ruler over themselves, over their desires, and a lemech, lev, moach, kaved, heart, Mind, liver, creates a fool. What do you do with love? We're, 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 wait, we're not there yet. 
We're going to get there in a second. Now, if Chachma and Bina are like a father and a mother, who are the children? So the child was born. What is the child? Our feelings and our emotions, what Kabbalah calls our midot, they are the children. And there are six emo- uh, there are six emotional attributes, but there are two primary midot. Before we go on to the emotional attributes, which we're going to talk about next week, we have to first focus on the two primary midot, which are yira, awe, and ahava, love. Now, the yira that we're discussing here is not fear. Even a positive fear, like the fear of punishment, where an individual would fear a godly punishment and because of that avoid a transgression, even though a fear like that has positive qualities, it could put a person in a stuck place or maybe in a neutral place, or maybe even in a worse place. Because the individual is primarily concerned with themselves and their ego. The more we're focusing on ourselves, the more we're focusing on our ego, it's not helping us. That fear, even fear of punishment, it's about me, I, 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 I. I call it the, the American eye disease. It's all about I. That the only letter in the English language that's always capitalized is the I. And it's not helping anyone that the only letter in the English language that's always capitalized is the I. We think it's good, I, gotta, I have to be strong, I have to do this, I have to watch out for myself. Wonderful, I'm proud of you, thank you but it's not helping anyone because what we're doing in this particular situation is we're focusing on ourselves. Yeah, we're trying to build our self-esteem. I'm very happy, but let's say in this situation, the I is afraid and therefore is trying to avoid negative behaviors. Here, Kabbalah is more interested in striving to achieve a loftier level than fear, where our relationship with God is so consciously important that we fear harming harming and severing it. That I have an awe for you. Our relationship is so important, I don't want to mess it up. That's my awe, it's not a fear. It's my awe, my reverence for our relationship. I'm not afraid of divorce. I have a reverence for our relationship. So I have an awe. That awe leads me to a fear of messing it up. So I'm going to do everything I can to make it good. 
You see the difference? So through contemplation, we get in touch with the, the infiniteness of God. The extent to which we are constantly dependent upon God for existence and how our personal connection with God is so crucial to our existence. And as a result, we automatically have no desire to go against his will. Why? Because we don't want to weaken the connection. We don't want to sever the connection. We don't want to disappoint God. So we care about the relationship. We are relationship-centered. We care about our relationship. And so my fear is not my fear of divorce. It's not my fear of, of myself. What's going to happen to me if we have a severed relationship? It's about our relationship. It's about something beyond me. It's not me and you in a relationship. It's the relationship and the two of us are two halves of the whole of the relationship. The relationship is complete. I am just half of it. So I, the I, the capital I that we're talking about doesn't really exist. The ego doesn't exist because we're part of a unit. So I want to make sure that our circle, our relationship stays intact. That's why the heart looks like this, right? It's two people in a whole relationship. You see the two people? There's two people here that are in a whole relationship. That's what matters. And we didn't even get to love yet. Now, after the awe blossoms in our hearts, the feelings of love are born. Think about that. That the awe, I think that there's such a, a misunderstanding of what fear is and what awe is. Because it's the awe that blossoms into the love. It's the reverence that blossoms into the love. What is love? Love refers to a desire and an aspiration to become one with our beloved. It's our aspiration to become one. And proper contemplation of God's greatness. Again, we use God as the metaphor always. And proper contemplation of God's greatness fills us with a desire, with a thirst to become united with him. To transcend the material world and to be joined with the creator of the world. To transcend our egotistical existence and to join with something that is higher than us. Higher than the eye. That's the point of the kippah. 
I'm transcending my existence and I am connecting to something that's higher than myself. The stronger and deeper our contemplation, the greater the love we feel. The stronger, the stronger and the deeper our contemplation, the greater of the love that we feel. King David said this so beautifully in the Tehillim and the Psalms. He said, my soul thirsts for God. He said, for you, referring to God, for you, my soul thirsts. Our soul thirsts and yearns for holiness. Our soul thirsts and yearns for godliness. And this is similar to how we feel when we have a new love in our life, when we have a new interest in our lives. We can't stop thinking about it. It's not that we can't stop feeling it. We're not feeling anything. We can't stop thinking about it. Think about that for a moment. <laughs> that it's the love that we can't stop thinking about. It should be that we can't stop feeling it. I should have these emotions and these elations constantly. Oh, I have a new love. No, it's a thought because it's really an emotional process that comes as a result of an intellectual process. And if you don't have the intellectual process, the emotional process doesn't exist. And the same is here. When we truly, quote unquote, fall in love with God, it's difficult to think of anything but Him. Our mind constantly seeks ways to make the bond stronger. When you are in love, when you are in a relationship, you're constantly, your mind is constantly seeking ways of making that bond stronger. And all the rest of our emotional experience, all the rest of our emotional experiences are offshoots of love and fear. Love and fear or love and awe, yira and ahava are the primary attributes of our emotions. Everything else is an offshoot of those two. So essentially, if we understand the nature of dot and we contemplate and meditate on ahava and yira, on love and fear, we have it all. This is the glue. The glue is the conversions of dot into love and fear. 